Uh, our second scripture reading for today comes from Romans 12, 1 through 8. And this uh, passage has been a pivotal passage throughout my life. I've gone back to this passage over and over again, and I have relied on this passage many times in the past to help me keep perspective, help me to really think about what uh, walking with God's about, help me really concentrate on the type of person I want to be. But specifically today, I want to read this passage to you from the message version, because uh, recently when I read the message version of this passage, it really did an incredible job of, of expressing the thoughts that have always gone through my mind when I read this passage. And it helped me really kind of think about some of the things a little differently. So I'm going to read this to you from the message passage today. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I speak to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relationship to you. Living then, as every one of us does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who bring this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and what and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we are talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts of Christ's body, let us just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves to each other or trying to be something where we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, Just help those, uh, just help, don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you do not get bossy. If you're put in charge, do not manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. So as I read those words, I think it really gets at the heart of what it means to walk humbly. You know, we're doing a, we're kind of changing things up a little bit on you today in our series on the kingdom. Uh, instead of talking about kindness today, I'm going to be talking about humility and talk about walking humbly with God. Uh, and so, you know, as I thought about that, you know, the heading for this passage in the message Bible says is entitled, placing your life before God. And as I think about what that truly means, it can't be done without a deep, deep sense of humility. 
Otherwise, we're going to get it very wrong. So I want to share with you a few stories that have uh, been transformative and kind of stuck with me over my life about what real, hum- uh, what real humility looks like. And I want to start by a story about when I was working at uh, the Presbyterian Church in Richardson, we decided to relocate. We were going to rebuild uh, in a larger church out in a different area, and uh, the decision was made. And there was a lot of conversation about what we should do with this building. How should we build a church that would reflect the mission and goals of our community? What should it look like? But, you know, one of the, there was a real strong contingency that was against having stained glass windows. All they wanted was clear glass windows because they said that that was true in the Reformed tradition, that it allows for pure light to shine in, allows for people to see clearly what's going on. And at the time, I wondered, why does it bother me so much that that idea? I mean, you know, I had come to love and, and have a great sense of value for stained glass, and I didn't understand what the, what the issue was. And then it, it dawned on me when I first came here and I was in this sanctuary and I looked around at these incredible stained glass windows that we're gifted to have in this building, that the thought really hit me. What was the real issue for me at that point? As you look at a stained glass window, you realize that it's made up of a bunch of uh, small pieces of broken glass, a bunch of small individual pieces that on their own really don't tell much of a story, really don't show much of a picture. But once you put them all together in a mosaic, you get an incredible vision, an incredible message that is displayed through the beauty of the unity of those pieces of glass. Once they come together and become one thing, the light shines through in so many incredible ways. You know, all those fractured pieces become something greater than they are on their own and individually. And to me, that's so symbolic each and every Sunday that I sit in here and see those stained glass It's so symbolic of what the body of Christ is. I mean, we get real tied up on trying to be perfect, trying to have no imperfections, trying to show that we have it all together, trying to show that, you know, that there's no flaws. But truthfully, the greatest strength that we have to give to each other is to share our flaws, admit that we struggle, admit that the journey is hard, admit that things are difficult and say that we're in this together. The whole, the, the gift of God is that we are a body, that we are a community, we're not individuals, that we live in a world where we're called to be in relationship with those around us. The other story that uh, stuck with me as far as understanding humility was a story that was told to me a long time ago and has, has really stayed with me. And it was uh, a story about a young Greek man at the age of six, Alexander uh, Papadros, uh, Papaderos, I'm sorry, uh, his village was attacked by uh, the German army. It was leveled and destroyed, and he was put into a concentration camp. And uh, he would, you know, for years he was in that concentration camp. He watched all kinds of horrible things happen to per- people he loved and cared about, including his family. But one day he was walking around, and he saw on the ground a bunch of broken pieces of a mirror. And he realized that those broken pieces of mirror had come from a German uh, soldier's motorcycle. And uh, so he started taking those pieces of mirror and he was trying to fashion them together and make the mirror and put it back together. But he realized that he could not do it. So he finally decided just to take one of those pieces of mirror and to, to, uh, you know, smooth out the edges. And he carried it around. And everywhere he went, he would shine the light, reflect the light into every dark place he found. And that became a kind of a game that he played that also was symbolic 
for what he felt life was about. And as he grew and got older, one day he was giving a lecture to a group of students. And one of the students at the end of the lecture raised his hand and goes, you know, tell me what the meaning of life is. You know, thinking, you know, thinking, well, what's he going to say to this? And Alexander at that point relayed this story. And he said, that to me is the meaning of life. And what he said at the end of it, he said, I am a fragment of a mirror whose whole design and shape I do not know. Nevertheless, with what I, can, what I have, I can reflect light into the dark places of this world, into the black places in the hearts of men, and change some things in some people. Perhaps others may see and do likewise. This is what I'm about. This is the meaning of life. So we are meant, we are not the light, and we are never meant to be the light, but we can reflect the light to others. We can be those who show God to other people. We can be those who are God's hands and feet. We can be those that reflect the light into the darkest of places. And actually, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're called to be. God has no body in this world but ours. It's our hands and feet that God has empowered and able and enabled to go out and carry out the kingdom issues, to carry out the kingdom purposes. And it is up to us to be the ones that reflect the light and to shine the light into all those dark places. The other story that I want to share with you today is one that is a personal story to me. Uh, both my kids, Tyler and Morgan, uh, came to know a man named Albert Chang when they were at Discovery School. And Albert, you know, the first time I ever saw him, Albert was from Cambodia. I knew that. I knew that um, he had been imprisoned in Cambodia by the Khmer Rouge and he had escaped to America. But other than that, I knew very little at first when I met Albert. Uh, he worked at the church and he helped with the building maintenance and all. But every day he was out playing soccer with uh, the kids at the school and was happy and joyful and always interacting with the kids. And I always thought, man, you know, I wonder what his story is. Well, one day I finally got to hear his story. When Albert was very young, the Khmer Rouge uh, came into his village. They, you know, killed half of his family, did horrendous things. They imprisoned him, and he was imprisoned for a long time till he escaped. Him and about 20 other men escaped from that prison, and they made a perilous journey through the jungle, doing everything they could to survive. And he was the only one that made it all the way through uh, and, and eventually made it here to the U.S., where he found sanctuary. Uh, and while he was here, he became a Christian. He accepted Christ and, and became a minister in, in the Christian church. And at some point after that, uh, he was called to go back and bear witness to a gathering of the uh, military leaders of the Khmer Rouge. And he said all he thought about was, I'm not about to go back and talk to these men all I really want to do is go back and take out, enact justice on them and, and get my revenge for what they did. But God came to him and spoke to him and said, you know, I am calling you, I am calling you to go in humility and to speak the truth to this group of people. So he went. He set aside all his personal uh, pain and struggle and he went and he spoke. And after he spoke to that group of military leaders, everyone in that room accepted, accepted Christ. So, you know, what an incredible story, what an incredible witness that this man who should just harbor hatred, who should just be all, only want to destroy those that through God's love and power and through his humility and accepting that he was able to go have such an incredible impact on such a big group of people. So, I, you know, those stories have always been stories that have been pivotal and inspiring me on what humility, Christian humility is all about.
And as I thought about that, it made me realize there were really three main areas that our humility allows us to change and, and be transformed in. And the first thing is only through humility that we can see ourselves and others as God sees us. You know, we all have our worldview. We all have those things that form how we see those around us, how we see ourselves, how we see everything in our world. We all have those things that influence us. And it's very hard sometimes to set those aside and realize that they may be incomplete. They may just be a part of that glass in the stained glass. That we need to the rest of the stained glass to understand the real picture. Sometimes it's hard for us to try to see things differently, to understand things differently, to know that there is more truth out there than just our truth sometimes and how we understand that. But it is through God's ability and through humility and uh, through God that we're able to go out and to realize that we, we need to see the world differently. We need to see ourselves di- differently. We need to understand a lot of things that we thought we knew in different ways so that we can begin to live in the compassion, the love, and the grace that God intends. The next thing is only through humility do we know ourselves and others the way God intends. You know, we live in a world that's very arrogant about our knowledge, don't we? <laughs> you know, we, uh, we can find out anything we want in two seconds. We can Google and find out anything we want. You know, we could become a specialist in this or that just by Google, right? So, you know, we get very arrogant at times in our knowledge. And we, and we throw it around and we puff ourselves up and we think, you know, uh, look at us. Look, look at us, how smart we are. And uh, the problem is, a lot, too often in our society, we're very, very uh, long on knowledge and very, very short on wisdom. So at what point do we take the knowledge that we're gaining and use it in the right way? Use it with the humility and the love and care that God intends us to. God gives us all this knowledge. This knowledge all comes from God. The answer, uh, you know, the problem is how we use it. What do we do with it? How do we progress and, and further kingdom? Or do we just use it to puff ourselves up? Do we use it to make ourselves better than other people? Do we use it uh, to gain an advantage? Or do we really use it to transform and change our world? And God's calling us to use it in wisdom so we can transform our world. And the last area is only through humility do we value ourselves and others differently. You know, one of the things that breaks my heart each and every day is how very low our value is for ourselves and others. You know, it breaks my heart every day to see the news about, you know, how, um, how little we value life, how little we value and, and other people, how little we value how we are in that community together. Uh, and, you know, our, when we get to that point where we devalue so many things, uh, you know, we become desensitized. We become where we accept things we shouldn't accept. We get to that point where we uh, think things are okay that should never be okay. And so it's only through humility that we realize that this is not okay, that God has a different set of values, a different set of perspectives, a different way that that God wants us to go about moving through this world, not to become, you know, so well adjusted to our society that we don't question, that we don't say this isn't okay, this isn't right, something needs to be done, something needs to be changed. And God says we are God's body. We are God's hands and feet. We're the ones that are supposed to be making the difference. We're the ones that are supposed to be making the change. And too often we sit back and say, why doesn't someone do something about this? Well, it's us. It's us. And that's what God tells us 
It's, it's on our plate to be those people. So, there's a, pa- there's a passage in this book. It's called The Dance of Life. And it's called uh, Waving Sorrows and Blessings into One Joyful Step by Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen is by far one of my favorite writers and theologians. And this one small paragraph that I found in this book really hit me. I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you. Uh, and, uh, you know, just listen to what uh, Nouwen has to say here. Ministry means the ongoing attempt to put one's own search for God with all the moments of pain and joy, despair and hope at the disposal of those who want to join this search but do not know how. Therefore, ministry is in no way a privilege. Instead, it is the core of the Christian life. No Christian is Christian without being a minister. So, you know, I think very often we forget that the call is not for just a select few that stand up front and uh, speak the words. The call is for each and every one of us. And each and every one of us is what makes the body of Christ. The stained glass isn't one piece of glass. Um, you know, none of these things function individually. So God has called this body, this group, this uh, set of hands and feet to be in the world and, and to bring about the kingdom that God intends. The kingdom is here. God has told us that the kingdom exists here, now, today. We just need to leave, live the reality of the kingdom. We need to show the kingdom. We need to be a part of the kingdom things. So um, I'm going to read some words. Uh, this past few weeks, we've had several groups go to Bridgeport. The senior high group, when we were there, uh, sang a song by Wren Collective that I, really touched me. And uh, I had not heard this song before. Uh, but the words of this song, along with the series we're doing, really, really hit home to me. I'm going to read the words to you. I'm not going to sing. Uh, they, that would not go well. I will allow that to happen during the offertory. But I want to read the words first. And when the, they sing the song during the offertory, I want you to think about the words as they sing them. It says, build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand. Heal your streets and land. Set your church on fire. Win this nation back. Change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope. Like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church, and we need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. We refuse to waste our lives. For yours, for your, our joy and prize. To see the captives' hearts released. The hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. To lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church. And we pray, revive this earth. Our beauty changing hearts, you made us for so much more than this. Awake the kingdom seed in us. Fill us with strength and love of Christ. We are your church. Oh, we are the hope of the earth. Take these words to heart. Because the mission is not for a few It is for the whole community and the whole body of God to go out and be kingdom people, live kingdom realities, and show a different way of seeing the world. As you go from today, I forgot to mention this at the early service, I have uh, provided some small, these small mirrors at the exits. If any of you want to take one of those, just as a reminder, uh, put it somewhere in your wallet or put it, take it home, put it somewhere. Uh, Feel free to take one of those with you when you go. 
But know in your heart as you go from there, from here, that each and every one of us, if we say we're Christian, we are ministers. We are in ministry. And go out and, and be about the kingdom's business and all that you do. Thank you.